Here our Lord is speaking again on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount covers from Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. We looked at the last couple of weeks where our Lord said, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You know who he's describing? He's describing children of God. Those blessed attitudes are the attitudes of the children of God. It's not that they do these things to become children. They have these things because they are children and they have been birthed into his family. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We know that we can become angry and murder our brother in our hearts. We know these things because he's told us. You know what he's told us? He's told us that we need his righteousness. Without him, we have none. He said, now, you know, see, now they looked up to these scribes and Pharisees. In their eyes, they thought these men were righteous. They were thought they were righteous by their dress, by their looks, by their actions, by their what they saw. They judged by what they saw and come up with the, that they must be righteous. These men are righteous. And our Lord said, accept your righteousness, exceed that. And his righteousness far exceeds that righteousness. That is no righteousness. It's, it's a righteousness of filthy rags. But we need a righteousness. He said, be ye perfect even as my Father in heaven is perfect. Now explain that. Those that God makes righteous are perfect. They are without sin. They are without fault. There is no condemnation. Where's their sin? They're all taken away. Past, present, and future. That's how God can declare a man righteous. He has no sin. And here he lays out, for those that are righteous, the two things that the Pharisees and scribes strived the most for was giving of alms, doing good deeds, and their praying. They stress these things, and our Lord's going to deal with these things. So here, first of all, he deals with alms. Because believers have a new heart, their attitude is different. They have new desires. It's not so much what a man does, but what is his attitude? Why did he do it? Did he do it to be seen of men, or did he do it for God's honor and glory? That which is born of the flesh can never exceed any higher than the flesh. The flesh loves to be noticed. That's the flesh. That's the attitude of the flesh. It loves it. And let's just be honest. Now he's dealing with believers here. He says, he says to us this morning, take heed. Don't think that we cannot be deceived by this thing called pride. Take, take heed, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. What our Lord is teaching 
is the necessity of heart worship. We should all ask ourselves the question, why did I come? Why am I here? My heart is deceitful just like yours above all things and desperately wicked. I hope it was to honor him. I hope it is. I hope that it is to hear a word from That should be our attitude when we come, when we come. Everything we, should, everything we do should be done from an inward principle of grace. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter my kingdom. It's a kingdom of righteousness. It's ruled by the king of peace. It's ruled, ruled. And they thought it was just an outward thing. He said, my kingdom's not of this world, and it wasn't. Our Lord is teaching us, what is he teaching us when he says take heed? To avoid the sin of hypocrisy. At all cost, it reigns in us. If it reigns in us, it will ruin us. If it reigns in us, it will ruin us. You know what hypocrisy is? It is only skin deep. You've heard me say you used this before. You, you, you see this podium. It looks like it's made out of solid oak lumber. No, it's not. You know why? I know the difference. This piece, if you walk up here at some time after a while, it's got a band around it. That's a piece of wood about that wide. You know what it's covering? It's covering a piece of plywood. Plywood, just exactly what it says. It's made out of plies of wood, and it has a very thin layer of veneer. And when you scratch through the veneer, you get into nothing. But when it's solid wood, you can scratch and sand all you want to. And you won't get through the veneer. Hypocrisy is nothing more than a veneer. It boy, don't it look good? It's like going to buy a piece of furniture. You're gonna be a, you're gonna pay a different price between a piece that's made out of veneer, made out of press board, than you do buying a piece that's made out of solid wood. People used to try to deceive people with cabinets, and they said they're solid wood cabinets, and all they were, the faces were solid, and the backs were press board. They said, well, it's still wood. That's how men think in religion. Well, it's still wood. It's just pretense. It's show, you know what hypocrisy is? Somebody wearing a mask. They play acting. That's not really who they are. They're play acting. They're pretending to be religious. They're pretending to do this. Pull the mask off. You know what our Lord did? That's what he did. He pulled the mask off and revealed who they are. Scripture's talking about having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. The Pharisees were very strict in outward forms, in rituals. They're very strict. They go by these things because that is their righteousness. It's what they do. In Matthew 23, 5, now listen to this verse. But all their works, not some of them, all their works, they do a lot of works to be seen of men. 
Let me just show you how serious this is. When a man dies, he doesn't change. When a man dies, his attitude doesn't change. As the tree falls, that's how it's going to lie. He that is unjust will be unjust still. The man in hell lifted up his eyes, and he, he, he was arguing with the Lord. He said, send somebody from the grave, and they'll believe. He said, no, they won't. They have the scriptures. But in Matthew 7, we'll see this when we get to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. These people will stand before the Lord. Now, they've done died. They're standing before him, standing before him in judgment. And you know what they say? We have cast out devils in your names. The Lord never denied it. We've done many wonderful works, not just a few works. We've done many wonderful works. We've preached in your name. You know what our Lord's going to say? But what I want you to say, they think that they're going to be rewarded based on what they did, and they're still bragging on it. And our Lord said, depart from me. I never knew you. But that, you think that men... They after they've, they've died, that they it doesn't change them. They still think that they're going to be received based on what they do. But here in verse 6, it could read, Take heed that you do not your righteousness before men to be seen of men. It's not that. You don't do things before men. Most everything that we do, even here, come to worship, is done before men. It'd be kind of sad if I came in here to preach and I was the only one in here, maybe me and Sandy preaching, because now, whether it's leading, singing, or playing, you have to do it before men. It's not the thing that you don't do it before men, but it's not to be seen of men. Let your light so shine how? before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Take heed. And we do. We need to. We need to take every possible precaution to guard against that sin of hypocrisy. The word alms is derived from a word which signifies to have compassion or to be merciful. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of men. This reveals to us that behind the act of giving is the spirit which moves us to give. It's not the mere act of giving that constraint constitutes alms, but also the merciful heart of the giver. It is not only an act of righteousness, it's an exercise of kindness. We should take heed to avoid any unlawful manner of giving. A good deed can be done in a wrong way. I heard Henry say one time, it, Sometimes he said, I think it's almost as, as important, not only just what you do, but why you did it. That's where, we are. That's where we deceive ourselves. We may think we do, but then what if nobody notices it? <laughs> nobody mentions it. Verse 7. 
Mr. Hawker said, what flows from God tends to God. Jesus is then in all, and a respect to him is the aim of everything that we do. It's for his glory. If we only give like the world does, we will have no reward from our Father, which is in heaven. Now, I don't understand all this, but if you'll go through and look just this, this far into the sermon, notice how many times he talks, about, he talks about rewards. And we know who the reward is. It is Christ. We're not trying to lay up crowns when we get to heaven by our good deeds. I've heard people say they would take care of their mother and they did some sacrifices, you know, when they were ill and right in their last days. And that's, that's a good thing, I understand. But then I've heard them say, surely I'll be rewarded for this. But we're going to say, man, the Lord does reward his people. He rewarded the woman with the alabaster box. He said, wherever the gospel is preached, this right here will be told what this woman did. She did it for his glory. She didn't do it to be seen of men. They do it to be seen of men. Well, they get their reward. That's their reward. That's what they wanted. That's what they're striving for. What are they striving for? The reward. I want everybody to see it. I want everybody to notice it. Someone said, it is a very poor reward. Their reward is the applause of men. What they seek after is all that they will have. That's all they'll have. Mr. Gill said they forbid or hinder their reward. Because they seek the glory of men, they lay impediments in the way of receiving honor from God. Remember back when we went through the lives of the kings, you remember Jehu? He invited Jonadab to come and to see his zeal. Come look what I've done. Won't you to see this? I did this with you in mind. I just wanted you to see it. Everything we should do, we should do with him in mind. You know what's amazing? He sees it. He sees what you do. And he sees why we do it. And the only reason we'd ever, ever do anything from a true heart is by grace. We don't have, we, it's just not our makeup. We're just like any other man, our old man is. Just exactly. Just exactly. Our reward is Christ. You know what the desire of a child of God is? It is to please him. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, but I want to please him. Even my earthly father, when I did something for him, or if he asked me to do so, I wanted, there was something about me that wanted to please my father. Now, a lot of times that was very hard. He was just a very strict man, and he wanted everything done. That was just his way. But how do we please? How do we please? How can God accept what we do? 
in Christ, he's pleased. It's a sweet smelling savor. A sweet smelling savor. Our Lord saw one day what this widow woman gave. I can see them standing there in the temple. They probably had a box like we do back on the back of the wall, and everybody was dropping their money, their gifts, their offerings in the box. And he was watching them. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow, and threw in two mites, which made a tharthen. And he called to his disciples, and he said unto them, I want you to see this. You know, she may, she may have never known that he noticed it, but one day she will. He saw her. And he called his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow has cast in more than all they which cast into the treasury. Two little mites, maybe have been like two pennies or something. And how did she cast in more than all the others? For all they did cast of their abundance, they never missed it. It's not so what a man what, and it's not so much what a man gives, but what he has left after he I mean he gives. David said, "I won't give to the Lord that which cost me nothing." Did it cost this woman something? And they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. How's she going to get her next meal? How's she going to pay the rent? She did it for his honor. If anybody else would have noticed it, you know what? They'd have turned their nose up. Said she didn't. I said, she, she did what? She, how can she tell? Did she give more than all the others? It was her attitude. Everything we have is his. Everything. Who makes us to differ? Lord, give us grace to do whatsoever we do, not to be seen of men, but to remember that you see what we do and why we do it. Turn to Matthew chapter 10, verse 42. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of the disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Back in chapter 5, verse 11. He said, Blessed are ye when men revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. He said, For my name's sake. I want you to remember, he never takes those things lightly. He never takes it lightly. He said, Whatsoever you've done to one of the least of least, my brethren, you've did it unto me. 
men will be judged based on their attitude and their actions toward Christ. That's how they're going to be judged. When they say against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Hold the brain glory to his name. Take heed that you do not charms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, he didn't say if you do your alms, when thou doest alms, believers do. Believers do give. Believers are generous. There's no question about that. The Holy Spirit hath made them so. That's just plain. He that's been forgiven of much loveth much. Don't sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Where it says don't sound a trumpet, that's, that's not just that they would have somebody blow a literal trumpet. That's a metaphor. It's just I, I picture a trumpet as something just empty and somebody blows a little breeze in it, breath in it, and it makes a little sound just for a second and it's done. But they want you to see it. They want you to notice it. They sought to draw attention to themselves. They were proud of what they did and what they didn't do. They were even proud that they washed their hands before they ate. They were proud that they didn't walk certain distances on the Sabbath day. They were proud that they never would let a leper touch them. They were proud that they would never let a prostitute sit at their feet. They were proud of these things. Proud of it. It says they, the hypocrites do. How did he describe them? Therefore when thou doest thine, don't sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do. Who are the hypocrites? Those that pretend, pretenders is what they are. Play acting. In the synagogues and in the street, I think of the synagogue would be the place where they would be around the, the other religious people. But it also talks about when they pray, they love staying. They don't just love praying in the synagogue. They love praying at the corner of the street. And they stand there with their phylactophies and they said they would have scriptures written on their on their clothes and everything everybody just see me and you know what they say I thank you no Lord I'm not like other men are I give tithes of all that I possess I do this I do that that's self-righteousness that's hypocrisy and I can tell you this God hates nothing more nothing worse than self-righteousness Hates it. They appear beautiful to men, but inside they're full of dead man's bones. 
behind the outward appearance of generosity, they were the slaves of worldliness and selfish passions. The reward was the admonition of shallow-minded men. That's what they wanted. That's what they got. And that's all they got. And it wears off. God help us to be on guard for this against this horrible sin. You know, it says here that they may have glory of men, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now listen, when we do that which is right, I think about the woman with the alabaster box. She did that which was right. She did it. She wanted to honor our Lord. But she incurred the displeasure of the disciples. How do you deal with that? Are we more concerned that our fellow brother is is not pleased with what we did? Or should we, we should be more concerned about what the Father says. It really shouldn't matter what anybody else thinks. Judah said, we could have taken this and sold it and give it to the poor. Don't that sound so good? And our Lord said, you leave her alone. Are we more afraid of offending mortal man than the everlasting God? You ever just said, why? You know, why was I misunderstood? And it makes us so upset because we were concerned what somebody thought. And the Lord exposed it. But the main thing, be Lord, is I want to honor you. I pray this is pleasing unto you and gives you all the credit and all the glory. It doesn't matter what anybody thought. And I could see that woman with that alabaster box. She goes in there and there's only one thing on her mind. And it's taking that box and pouring it on the head of her Lord. She knows she's the only woman in there. And they know that she's a woman with a reputation. And she walks in there. And it doesn't matter what nobody thinks. She's in there to honor him. And she did. She did it. And it will all, you know what it will do? It will always, always expose a hypocrite. That's right. But, you know, here's, here's how we could have taken this. Jim, we could have taken this and give the money to Jim, and, and we could have given to the poor. Man, that sounds so good. He said, you always have the poor with you, but you don't always have me. She's come to do what she could. She's come to anoint my body for the burial, and she did. Verse 3, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doest. I said, here it says again, but when you do thine alms, let not your left hand know what your right hand doeth. The precept is designed to restrain our corrupt ambition of our heart after the praise of men. Someone said in verse 2, our Lord had had forbidden ostentatious giving of alms, which is done for the purpose of self-advancement, receiving the applause of men. I looked up that word, whatever it is. 
You know what it means? You know what I'm trying to say. I'm glad. It means pretension and a vulgar display. Especially of wealth and luxury intended to impress or to attract attention. That's why they gave it. You know what God says? It's an abomination in my sight. But you know, like I said a few minutes ago, what what he lays out here, only he can do through the hearts of his people. These are those who are the children of God. They are children of the kingdom. Let not your left hand know or approve of what your right hand does. Someone said true benevolence will even hide the giving right hand from the idle left hand. And as much as he can, he will dismiss the deed from his conscience. He didn't dwell on it. He just moves on. He doesn't dwell on it and say, well, hope somebody sees it. No, it's, he did he, what God laid in his path to do, and he did it and moved on. Verse 4, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. He sees in secret. He sees it. It's secret to everybody, but to him, it's no secret to him. But he doesn't reward secretly. Maybe sometimes, but he said here he rewards openly. I guess you could use the example of Abraham and Lot. They had so many cattle, they could not herd together on the same property. They, they just wasn't enough grass for both men in their herds. And Abraham said, Lot, here's what I want you to do. Abraham's told us. Abraham could have just said, I'm taking this land, and Lot, you can take whatever's left. He could have done that, but he didn't. He said, you pick out which one you want. Whichever one you want, and I'll take what's left. And Lot looked, and it was the well-watered plains of the Jordan Valley before God destroyed it. Great place to raise cattle, Danny. Oh, yeah, he'd be so fat. He could make so much money. And we won't be living in a tent anymore. We'll be living in a house in Sodom. But, you know, then, but what about Abraham? After Lot leaves... God told Abraham, he said, I'm ex- you're exceeding in great reward. He said, you see all this land? It's all yours. Every bit of it. I'm giving it to you and to your children. He rewarded him how? Openly. Abraham was not doing it to get a reward. He was doing it because he had a heart of grace and compassion. You know, in the book of Acts in the early church, they did not always conceal what they did. Turn to Acts chapter 11, verse 29. 
Acts eleven twenty nine. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability that God had given him, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwell in Judah because they were the poor brethren. Which also they did, and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. And I think it was a pretty good gift. But then also, if you'll come back to chapter 4, verse 36, of a man named Barnabas. Acts 4.36, and Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, who is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we don't need to tell us what he brought, but he did it. I think he did it right. Like if, if we were like having a church or something, he brought it to him. Sold a piece of property. And if you'll go back and you'll read the first part of the next chapter, you'll see hypocrisy revealed. There was another couple. They saw, look what Barnabas did. You think about this. I just read to you from God's word that he recorded what a man named Barnabas did. Didn't God reward him openly? He's a man, a son of consolation. May God help us all to be like Barnabas. He was just a sinner like us, but he was a generous, giving man, always looking, thinking about someone else. But then you have Ananias and Sapphira. They sold a piece of land, and they probably got more out of the piece of land than they thought they were going to get. Say they thought, well, we'll get 150000 Well, they get 200000 They said, well, I don't think we ought to give all of it to the church. So they hold back the 50000 and they, they bring the offering and they pretend that this is all they got out of the land. And Peter looks at Ananias. He said, Ananias, did you sell that land for a certain amount? How did Peter know? God knew. He said, did you sell it for such and such? Oh, yeah, I sold it for 150000 he said, basically, you're lying. You've lied to the Holy Ghost. And you know what? You know what happened? I don't know all this, what all this entails, but I know this. God was displeased with it, and that man fell down dead right there. He was pretending. We've, I guarantee what they gave. They, they probably found out some way what Barnabas gave, and they want to outdo Barnabas. They want to be seen. Barnabas didn't do it to be seen, but they did. Well, then three hours later, his wife comes in. Now, she could repent. He asked her a question. Did you sell this land for so much? And she said, yes, for so much. And he said, the feet of the men who carried your body out is waiting to get you. And she fell over dead. Would you think God takes that seriously? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. God will reward us openly. The butler may forget Joseph for two years in the prison, but God never forgets. Turn with me to Hebrews 6, verse 10. 
We know that God has taught us to do it for his glory and for his honor. And sometimes we wonder, does, does God notice? Does God see? He sees. It says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. You know, that's what it is. It's a labor. It's a labor of love. Which you have showed toward his name and that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister to the saints. If it is not a work of faith, it is impossible to please God. Like I said about the women, widow woman, how's she going to live? By faith. How should we live? From his hand to our mouth. We live by faith. Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. How am I going to have a son? God must give him one. How do we walk each day? By faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. In the end, the selfish are disappointed for those who seek the good of others is himself the gainer. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart and then shall every man have praise of God. Then turn to uh, one more, maybe a couple more, Matthew 25, verse 31. One day the, our Lord is coming back. He's coming back. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from the other, as the shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say to them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit. Inherit? Yep. What are we going to inherit? what was given to us before the world was ever made. You mean I have an inheritance? Yep. <laughs> Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You know who he had in mind? His people. You know who he had in mind? His church. He chose them before the world was made. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared just for you. It ain't, it ain't, people want to talk about the walls of Jasper and the streets of gold. This is our inheritance. It's all in Christ. The only reason we have anything. You know why I have an inheritance? I'm a joint heir with Christ. Old writers used to say, he's my elder brother. And everything he inherited, we inherit. We're not trying to... You don't earn work for an inheritance. You receive an inheritance. 
that I didn't, I didn't know I was getting no inheritance. I didn't do it to get an inheritance. In Psalms 112, verse 10, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. You know, something that just came to my mind, you know, he has standing there. You know, we try to picture things in our mind. The sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. And now he says to the sheep, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. What do you think these goats think? It says, the wicked shall see it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. Why didn't I get to go? Why didn't I get an inheritance? You got yours. You got the praise of men. That was your reward. That's what you wanted. God help us to take heed that we do not our arms before men to be seen of men. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father, which is in heaven. We'll pick up there at verse 5 next Sunday.